On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks erase a 15-point deficit in the second half and come away with a much-needed road win up in Washington, D.C. We'll talk about all of what transpired in this game, Trey Young's performance, Jalen Johnson off the bench, and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1427 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening. And the Atlanta Hawks get a nice road win on this Wednesday over the Washington Wizards up in the nation's capital. And also at the top of the podcast, I want to encourage you to make us your first listen at the Lockdown Hawks podcast each and every day, anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and across the board. And really, it was a fun performance for the Hawks in the second half. It was not always easy. They were pretty resilient in this game. In fact, the Hawks were down by 15 points in the third quarter, and it was seen to be teetering in a big way for Atlanta. But with this victory, back to 500 now at 33-33, and 33, and they stopped a five-game road losing streak in the process. They also get some revenge after losing to the Wizards last week in Atlanta in close-fought fashion. And uh, plenty to get to, but certainly a, a good vibes performance from the Hawks as they had to battle back and get this win at the end. As we always do in the podcast, I'll give you my, my broad takeaways and my analysis on the offensive end, defensive end, etc. But on this game, I'm going to start with Trey Young. It can be easy to just assume sometimes what you get from Trey Young. After all, he's a superstar of the, of the Hawks roster, face of the franchise, great player, etc. But I just want to start with him because he was awesome tonight. And if you didn't watch the game, you might see the box score. And it still looks good by any description. 28 points, 10 assists. And that's obviously great for anybody. But he really was outstanding even compared to that. Defensively, he's been playing the best basketball of his career in the last several games. I don't, I don't say that lightly. Obviously, Trey has been a punching bag defensively for a large portion of his career nationally. In particular, the takes are very, very ridiculous sometimes. And look, he has limitations there for sure defensively. But he has been much, much more engaged, much better, much more active uh, using his skill set that he does have. Help the defense, and that's been a notable uptick. Um, not only since the coaching change, but even you know, even before that, actually, he's been a little bit better even before that, and obviously now playing again the best defensive basketball of his career in recent days. And then on offense, he was hyper efficient. He had 28 points, but on 16 shooting possessions, 14 shots from the field from Trey, and had 28 points. He was playing within himself, he was under control, he was running the offense and doing exactly what the Hawks need him to do, big picture. Only got to the line four times. That's actually very low for him, but didn't need it, honestly. Did have five turnovers. That's not incredible, but certainly for a guy with, with his usage, not a problem, especially when he has 10 assists. Two to one there is totally fine, obviously. And I just really thought he was great. And I wanted to open that up because you know he's a huge reason that, that they won the game. That is always the case when they win. We, we, I shouldn't say always. Most of the time when they win. But sometimes we just overlook and kind of take for granted the contributions of superstar players. But I thought Trey was particularly very, very good on this evening. And because it wasn't like a 50-point game or whatever, you don't always lead with that. But I thought he was really, really excellent in this spot. Um, speaking of excellent, the Hawks' offense was quite good in this game. Now, they had some rough patches in the middle of the game, which kind of led to the Hawks being down by 15 points in the middle of the third quarter. But they end the game with a 123 offensive rating. And that means you're scoring 1.23 points per possession. And that's an excellent figure against anyone. Yes, Washington was on second out of a back-to-back. And I did preach that on my most recent podcast, also on my Patreon preview of this game at patreon.com slash btrolling. It was notable, and it still is notable now, that the Hawks had a huge situational advantage in this game. Yes, it was on the road where the Hawks have struggled in recent days, but the Wizards played on Tuesday in Detroit and then had to fly home, got back at like 3 in the morning, and I thought it was a good opportunity for the Hawks to kind of play with pace and try to wear the Wizards out and use that 
advantage to their really just put that on their side in terms of getting a good result in this game. And, you know, all that comes into the mix here. Washington did look tired second half of times, but no matter what the opponent is, 123 offensive rating is very good, especially on the road. And the Hawks shot it very well in this game. 33% from the floor, 41% from three is a very nice number for the Hawks. They also took nine more free throws than the Wizards did, which is not always a huge Hawks staple beyond Trey. They don't have a lot of high free throw guys. In, in, uh, but in this game, they got to line with frequency. They scored 58 points in the paint. Excellent number there. And the shot profile overall continues to be much better under Quinn Snyder, even under Prunty as well. But certainly in the most recent weeks, I ranted and raved about the Hawks shot profile. And by the way, when, I'm, when I say that, I mean where the team shoots from on the floor i.e. more rim attempts, less mid-range attempts, more three-point attempts. And that's a very rough outline. But generally speaking, the Hawks are taking better shots, better high-quality shots under, under Snyder. That's definitely not always going to fix the problem in one-game sample sizes, but big picture, when the sample grows, that is a good process thing to be doing. Um, also, 26 assists in this game. Not a huge number, but certainly solid to above average, obviously. And then 11 turnovers is also very, very good. So, not much on the offensive glass, but aside from that, like again, there were some lulls. I'm not saying the Hawks were perfect on offense in this game, but basically for the last, I don't know, 10, maybe even more games than that, the Hawks have been kind of their old self in a good way on offense. Not always the same exact profile, but in terms of their results, the Hawks have been in the top three in offense for a little while now, and that's kind of where we kind of thought they would be. Getting back to last season, which is kind of easy to forget, the Hawks were number two in, all, in the league in offense last season. Now, defensively, it was rough, obviously, but this should be an awesome offensive team. That's the personnel of this roster. They're good defenders, too, on this team. But long story short, this is a much better offensive roster than defensive roster. So the Hawks have to be, to reach their goals, they have to be awesome on offense. And they were, again, in this game, which is good to see. Uh, defensively, it was not it was not uh, as good, let's just say. And that's why this game was close. So a 120 defensive rating against the Wizards. And again, a Wizards team um, that is tired. Uh, not a great offense overall. So that's that has to be noted. That, that's a pretty bad figure, to be honest with you, even on the road. And the Wizards did shoot it well, 57% from the floor in this game and 60 points in the paint. I thought perimeter stuff containing the ball was pretty rough in this game for all of the praise I gave to Trey. Uh, it's not always his best uh, his best aspect. And then I, I thought guys like Magdanovich and Sadiq Bey and even DeJounte Murray had some real containment issues. Even Hunter, not, not necessarily his best work for a lot of this game defensively on the perimeter. And that allowed for, which is going to a lot of running starts at the Hawks' bigs that forced Foul trouble for the Hawks bigs throughout this game and a lot of, you know, easier shots for the Wizards. But they did create havoc on the perimeter. That's something that Murray, of course, does very well. And Trey has been doing very well recently. They had 19 turnovers to the Wizards in this game, including 11 steals. The Hawks had nine steals in the first half. That was a season high. In fact, that was most of most steals have had in a half in about two years. That's very nice to see. And then on the glass, they were excellent. You know, that's always a team aspect. But basically, you know, there was not a single dominant rebounder in this game. In fact, Capella had a a, a quote-unquote down game on the glass but every single Hawks regular everyone who plays for the Hawks aside from DeAndre Hunter so eight of the nine guys on the Hawks roster had at least three rebounds in this game Bogey had eight rebounds uh, a, a lot of guys had four Jalen and Kongwu and Trey and Murray and Collins had five so it was a gang rebounding situation for the Hawks they, they did a good job in the glass in this game all the way across the board and having that um, possession battle really, really helps because in the end despite the fact that the Hawks Took nine more nine more free throw attempts than, than the Wizards did. They also took two more shots from the field. So that's always nice to take more shots than your opponent. That's usually a good recipe for success. And in the end, the Hawks were favored in this game. So it wasn't like this is a huge upset or a performance that you have to write, write home to your kids about. The Hawks should have beaten the Wizards. They were the better team in a better spot in this game. But when you factor in that they kind of had to come back and really scrap, I know Quinn Snyder talked about this after the game, uh, about how they just how they, how they compete. It's, it's something that's coach speak for sure. 
uh, you want your team to compete, but there was a resilience that the Hawks showed tonight that was I thought was pretty encouraging. And given that both teams were at full strength, you know, the cleaners reports, et cetera, to get this win on the road where the Hawks have not been able to get a lot of positive results in recent days and really a result that also matters head-to-head because the Wizards are a direct competitor in the playoff race and they play them again on Friday. But after losing both the games in Miami, to get this one was very, very um, impressive, I thought, from the Hawks and from Trey on down, a performance that was uh, certainly above average for Atlanta in this game. All right, we'll get into kind of how it all happened in a moment as well as my individual player breakdowns later on in the show. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast. I am very excited about our new partner and sponsor on today's episode, and that is the mobile game Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. If you ever dreamed about becoming a GM in the NBA, like I know I have in my younger days for sure, and managing a basketball team, your dream could come true. And honestly, this game is definitely for you. You manage every aspect of the team. You can play through the season. You can lead the team to glory with Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. You are responsible for hiring the right coaches and trading players and making players train and making draft picks and generally navigating the franchise through stuff like free agency and all the fun challenges of a season. This all happens in a realistic game world at Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. You can play on the go whatever you want to and however much you want to. And we're already having fun behind the scenes in the Lothan NBA chat. People are trash talking each other about their performances, etc. It's a really a lot of fun. It's an awesome way to connect with friends that might be diehards like yourself in the basketball world. And since you're listening to this podcast, Lothan Hawks, you get a 100% free boost to the franchise when you use the promo code LOCKEDON in the game store. Download the game now by visiting probasketballgm.com. And you can scan the code or look it up in the app store. That is probasketballgm.com. And when you get there, use the promo code Locked On. Ultimate Basketball GM, start your dynasty today. All right, we'll dive into uh, how this game sort of unfolded. And uh, long story short, and it's definitely a cliche, but it's also true in this game, there were a lot of runs and swings and spurts on both sides. And one of them was at the outset in favor of the Hawks. So an 8-0 run by Atlanta early in the game to go up by 14-5. Trey had a great start, as he, as I talked about earlier, a great game for him overall, but he made his first three shots, had two steals in the first two minutes. John Collins made back-to-back threes. In fact, he hit four threes in this game. That's a very nice data point for John. Um, Porzingis, though, was a big story for Washington. He ended this game with 43 points, which is obviously a monster performance using his size advantage to just kind of shoot over the top of the Hawks a lot of the game. He had 10 points early on, but the Hawks had 24 points in the first six minutes. And kind of similar to Monday, and that the lead probably should have been bigger, honestly, than how it was, and that kind of bit the Hawks along the way because they did stop making every single shot. There wasn't a whistle for a long time either because the starters played like eight minutes straight together because they just couldn't get them off the floor. Uh, but then once that happened, the rotation was essentially the same. I don't have too much to add there until the very end of the game. Um, Bogey, Akongwu, and Bay as the first subs, and Jalen Johnson, when he came back in, they tried Jalen on, on the perimeter quite a bit again in this game. And some, some of that's out of necessity. Now he's been showing that he's capable of doing that. Obviously, he's extremely athletic and long, and he was really good in this game. But I also just talked about it before. I'll say it again now for any new listeners. But when the Hawks are playing that lineup with Trey and Bogdanovich and Bay, they kind of have to have Jalen be the point of attack defender because while Trey's been better, he's not going to be the go-to guy there. And then Sadiq Bay and Bogey are probably their worst two defenders right now. So it's like, it kind of has to be Jalen at the same time, Jalen is impressing in that role. So it works out very well, but you know, if, if Jalen couldn't do it, they had to kind of shimmy the lineups and make sure you have either DeJounte or, or, or Hunter on the floor. But with Jalen doing what he's doing, there's there's some freedom there for Quinn Snyder and lineups and all that stuff. By the way, the four-strike game that A.J. Griffin did not play for the Hawks, um, I understand there's some mixed feelings about that. I've been talking about it the entire time. I'm not going to have too much to add now, but you know, I think he'll play more in the future, obviously. Um, I don't mind the Hawks sticking with this nine-man group. Quinn Snyder has been pretty, pretty clear that he kind of likes to play less than 10 guys, and the Hawks have 10 guys. So um, I don't love A.J. not playing four games in a row, but I at least understand it, and uh, we'll kind of get back into that if we need to 
later on. Um, defensively, I thought the bench actually, while they were good in the second half, was not good in the first half really at all. Even Jalen wasn't quite as good in the first half either. But the Hawks had this great first quarter performance with 34 points on 26 possessions. Trey had 12 in that first quarter. Washington got the shots they wanted to, though, which is the problem, as I said before, about the defense really the entire game. Um, it was uneven early in the second quarter as well. Kuzma got going for Washington. Uh, Sadiq Bay basically had no chance to stay in front of Kyle Kuzma. Okongwu got three fouls in eight minutes in kind of typical Okongwu fashion. It was a lot of uh, not his fault necessarily, like except guys running downhill at him, but still happened. And the offense kind of cooled off as well. Washington had their first big run, a 12 to 4 push, take the lead mid quarter. Uh, Beal went down actually for Washington after taking an uh, sort of inadvertent elbow from Capella on a drive. Uh, it was ruled to be a common foul and definitely looked to be clean to me, but Capella got his third foul after that. And for the first time in a long time, the Hawks actually kind of had to play J- John Collins at the five. It only took two minutes, and it was Collins and Jalen playing together. But Capella and Congo both had three fouls in the first in the first half, would kind of push them to go a little bit smaller out of necessity. But the Wizards did score the final six points of the first half. The Hawks kind of did not score in the last like three minutes of that first half, and the Hawks had all kinds of issues on the perimeter again, playing defense. And really, the entire half they struggled. Gave up 19 assists in a half. That's not what you want to see. And that's honestly, they were built out by all the turnovers that happened before. I talked about this before, but the Hawks had their season high in steals in that first half. And offensively, the Hawks scored less than a point per possession in that second quarter. So if you took out the second quarter, the Hawks would have awesome offensive numbers in this game. They already kind of did. That was their one down quarter in this game. Uh, After halftime, early, it was kind of a barrage, actually. The first four possessions of the third quarter were threes on both sides. Collins made two in a row for Atlanta, and then Porzingis made one, and Beal made one for Washington. But then after that, the Hawks went ice cold. This is actually their worst single stretch of the game on offense. They They actually didn't score for six possessions. Didn't score for three and a half minutes. By the time they actually finally scored, they were down by 12. And then by the middle of the third quarter, they're down by 15 again. So 16 to four run by Washington. That was the first haymaker of ultimately a lot of haymakers on both sides in the second half. A huge like two-handed spike block by Kongwu that I want to highlight on Beal. That was a very impressive play. But then he got a foul at the rim moments later. I didn't love this challenge. Uh, Snyder challenged it. It's kind of a low leverage play. I didn't hate it. I thought it probably wasn't a foul. Probably shouldn't have been a foul, but also not a huge likelihood of being overturned. And also not a three-shot foul in the third quarter. It felt like it was a combination of Snyder trying to back up a Kongwu, give him some confidence, also trying to avoid a fourth foul on a Kongwu, but he lost that one. Not a huge deal. Or something. I didn't love that decision necessarily. But then the Hawks did have their nice run late in the third, a 15-6 to six push to get back within six. That was very, very impressive after the Hawks had – were kind of on the ropes, honestly, down 15 points. Um, they lost the they lost the quarter by a point, and it was definitely up and down, but a nice lob also late by Trey to Okongwu for a bucket in the final seconds to get back within four. And then the Hawks had their biggest spurt early in the fourth, a 14-0 run between the end of the third and the start of the fourth. And that became a 32-11 to 11 overall run by the Hawks from, from down five to up six. Washington score for a long time in the fourth quarter. Jalen Johnson was flying around. He was tremendous. He was not alone by any means, but he was huge. He had this huge monster tip dunk, probably the highlight of the game for Atlanta. And I think more importantly, even his defensive activity, his length. Um, obviously, he's been billed by me and others as this transition monster, and that's definitely the case. Uh, that's his number one appeal in a lot of ways right now on offense is, is, is his transition ability. But defensively, he is causing havoc, and you definitely see the tools that made him a former top five prospect in that class. And one of the reasons why he, uh, I was surprised and also elated, if you're a Hawks fan, that he fell so far in the draft. Anyway. It was not smooth sailing from there. It felt like the Hawks actually were going to be sort of over the top there because, again, Washington had this had this rest, rest disadvantage. And I thought, honestly, the Wizards were, probably, were kind of just gassed 
but that was not the case. Washington scored the, the next 11 points. They had three threes in a row, which is, of course, a, a way to counteract a hot stretch by the opponent. And then also the Hawks did themselves no favors. Kong went to the line, missed both. And then Murray missed like a four-foot leaner that he almost always makes. And then that was, again, wrapped around by Washington making every shot for a little while. There was one lineup choice that I have to at least point out that I, I did not like from Snyder. And again, I want to be very clear. Snyder's done a good job since he's taken over. I don't worry about Quinn Snyder at all. But uh, Jalen played like nine and a half minutes in a row. So I, I understood took, taking him out. But they played about a minute, minute and a half maybe with Trey, Bogey, and Sadiq Bay, along with Collins and Capella. Now, obviously, Collins and Capella, strong defensively as his backline duo. But if you're going to go with Trey, Bogey, and Bay, it has to be Hunter or Jalen, I think, with those guys. I don't love those three playing together really ever, honestly. But I do understand it from an offensive point of view. Having those two dynamic shooters around Trey is very appealing. But you need someone that can play point of attack defense, whether it's Murray, Hunter, or Johnson. Uh, none of those guys were on the floor at that point in time. So that, that kind of burned them. I didn't love that. And we'll see if that comes back later on. But anyway, the Wizards missed a couple of good looks. Trey to pull up three for the lead. Uh, another huge shot from him, by the way. And then it was pretty crazy, like back and forth from there. So I'll just stop here to say, in the second half, there was a 16-4 run by Washington, a 14-0 run by Atlanta, an 11-0 run by Washington, and then a 7-0 run by Atlanta, all within like 14 minutes of the clock time. Just a crazy back and forth on both sides. After a timeout with five minutes to go, Trey had a couple of huge shots. This, this, this very impossible leaning like 15-footer that I'm not even sure he thought he was going to make. He started laughing after that shot. Um, also a nice lob to Capella after that. But Porzingis was burying every shot. He was on fire in this game. Trey also kept answering and answering and answering. And then I thought Hunter had his best defensive possession of the game. He kind of wrapped up Bradley Beal on possession, gave him no space, and forced a stop. Um, but then Beal did tie it on the, on the next possession to get back within uh, – sorry, tie the game with nine seconds to go. There was a breakdown there on the perimeter. He just kind of went right through the defense for a layup. Um, there was a point where the Hawks had missed a shot. It was Murray missing a mid-ranger in a tie game. But Hunter got the rebound, and after a reset, an honestly extremely encouraging drive from DeAndre Hunter. He's uh, always a little bit too um, eager to pull up on those, on those drives, but this one he went all the way to the rim, three-point play, huge possession, and a huge play. Um, Beal got fouled, and the next possession actually missed a free throw. And while Trey did turn it over, that was one that was kind of his one hiccup in the entire game late. I dodged a bullet. So probably the biggest possession of the game in my mind was right after that. So Trey turns it over up two. Beal comes down, misses like a five-footer that he almost always makes. And then Denny Abdia gets the rebound, doesn't just go up with it. For some reason, decides to like try to dribble and kind of bring the ball down and turns it over. So it was like a three-on-one, three-on generously a three-on-two fast break for the Wizards, and they didn't score. And that was, in my mind, the biggest swing of the entire game because that stop allowed the Hawks to get the ball to Hunter. He gets fouled, and then he makes both to go up by four points, 18 seconds to go. Now, it wasn't over by any means. But from there, the Hawks were in control the rest of the way. They used Jalen in the defensive lineup after that, which is a good decision, I thought. Um, they got Beal to turn it over with Collins on him in the corner. That was good defense by all by all parties. And then Trey gets fouled. And while he actually missed a free throw late, um, it didn't matter. And the only thing that really happened in the last couple seconds was that Washington hit a three at the buzzer to actually backdoor cover. So uh, if you might remember this, if you're a degenerate, uh, <laughs> the Hawks actually backdoor covered with DeJounte Murray earlier this week on a three at the very, very end. And there was a return on this spot with Washington backdoor covering against Atlanta because the Hawks were favored by three points, ended up winning by two because of that three by Porzingis. Anyway, uh, it was definitely not easy for the Hawks as we got into earlier. It was not a perfect uh, perfect performance in this game. It wasn't always just pure. Even Trey, who was awesome, had a turnover late, missed a free throw late. So 
again, it wasn't like anybody was perfect, but uh, to pull that game out of the fire, down 15 points in the middle of the third quarter, have two big runs, and then not get deterred late when things didn't go perfectly, I thought it was a nice step forward for Atlanta. Okay, we'll get into how all the players broke down in this game and then a brief look ahead to what's to come in the future. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. A stretch run is here in the NBA, of course. It's the best time of year as well in college basketball, with it being March and all. And the perfect time now to download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. America's number one sportsbook is FanDuel. And no new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That means bonus bets coming back to you if your first bet does not win with FanDuel. Download the app right now. On the App Store, it's safe, secure, and easy to use. And you can buy anything you're looking for in the sports world. That includes point spreads and totals and money lines and futures and player props and more. The Hawks are in D.C., of course, right now for a rematch, actually, on Friday again against the Wizards. And if you missed it, the Hawks were favored in tonight's game, and I'm sure they'll be favored again if all things are equal on Friday, if everybody's healthy and all that stuff. But we'll see. But you can find your uh, most up-to-date information is definitely at FanDuel. And from there, they have exclusive bets like the 2 by 3 which is where they actually had two threes in the first three minutes of an NBA game. Plus, FanDuel lets you combine bets together for a bigger payout with the same game parlay. And do not miss this chance. Get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 at bonus bets when it comes to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, which is a partner of the NBA. All right, we'll dive in now to the individual player performances in this game. Again, nine guys appeared for Atlanta. Um, some nice bench contributions, especially in the second half, I thought. First half, not, not quite as good across the board. But one guy who struggled was Sadiq Bey. Um, he was probably due for one of these. In fact, I know he was because he was shooting so far above anything reasonable for anyone, aside from maybe Steph Curry <laughs> in recent days. But Sadiq was 0-4 from three, had two points on five shots, three rebounds. Defensively, it's been an adventure. I'm not going to do the whole thing again, but if you listen to the recent podcast, I've talked about how he is struggling pretty badly defensively. It is a question mark for sure moving forward. But um, on this side, I'll just say he, he just, it was not his best work overall. Uh, Akongwu had a mixed game, nine points on seven shots. Actually took a corner three again. That was good to see. Uh, it was a good look. He didn't, didn't make this one like, like he did in the last game, but it was good to see him take one again. But missed four free throws, was one of five on the line. That's not great. Um, they have three assists, four rebounds, had two blocks, but four fouls. And uh, I will say only got one foul in the second half. That was better from him. Jalen Johnson was a game changer after halftime. You know, 10 points in the game, four rebounds, only one steal, but created a real bit of havoc in this game. Uh, his again, his sheer size and athleticism, it could be it could be game changing. And obviously, the, the jokes have been flying. I think with right with right reasons from uh, my, my friend Tower Jones and others about Jalen playing exclusively the big man spots in under under Nate. And look, like I understood it on some level, but also like the tools are really the, a, a big part of the appeal of Jalen Johnson as a, as a prospect. Like the fact that he is legitimately six nine six ten and can run like he does and move like he does and slide like he does and jump like he does and all that. Um, and I think you're, you're seeing that now he's still playing the four in those lineups on offense, but on defense, he's been clearly playing as basically a wing um, in recent days as, with, 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 those, with those bench groups. And part of that is the, is the weaknesses of other guys around him. Like I think Sadiq Bay is much more of a four than a wing on defense, whereas Jalen is the opposite and uh, that pairing can work long-term because of that. So anyway, Jalen was awesome in this game. The big dunk was will get probably all of the attention, but I thought he was really, really good after halftime especially. And then Bogey, 14 points, a uh, team high, eight rebounds, which is kind of funny, five assists. He moves the ball very well, two steals. Defensively, Bogey's a mess sometimes. He overhelps and does things that are uh, frustrating. He's obviously a step slow as well, but offensively he, he continues to be extremely valuable for this team. He's our third ball handler in a lot of ways. He's a good ball mover. He's obviously a great shooter. So Bogey is uh, definitely valuable, and he showed that in this game at times off the bench. Uh, to the starters, 
Capella was pretty quiet, 13.3 rebounds, had a steal and a block. He had a big block actually late. I think it was on Beal. Um, it wasn't great, but he wasn't bad either. Just kind of a quieter game for Clint. Not not dominant necessarily. Hunter had 15 points. Um, zero defensive rebounds. That's pretty funny for DeAndre. Uh, did have a block shot. I think defensively late, he had a couple nice possessions. And offensively, he had that one really, really good drive and finish. First half, pretty shaky. Second half, much better, as a lot of guys were on the Hawks roster. Um, a mixed bag game overall. Like He wasn't super efficient, and rebounding is frustrating. No assists as well. But it was kind of a on-brand Hunter game in a lot of ways. Collins, 14 points, five rebounds, had a steal and a block as well. And uh, the big thing for Collins in this game was that he had four threes. Obviously, it's been a ton of talk about how badly he's been shooting this year. There's no way to cover that up. I still tend to like lean a little bit more than others do on the literal four-year sample size of him shooting 38% before this. But I'm not saying it's all fixed by any means. But him hitting four threes in this game is encouraging. And for me, he was also hunting his shot after that. Like, obviously, there's confidence questions whenever you shoot as poorly as he has for this long. But the fact that he wanted the ball more after that is still pretty good for me. But it's one game. He'll take it. And then um, on the glass, he was the second leading rebounder on the team. Had a steal on a block. Acted defensively. He had some rough moments against Kuzma and against Porzingis in different different ways. Um, but I thought he was okay defensively on the whole. Good, good help side stuff, etc. And then the backcourt. Murray had a rough one, <laughs> for sure. Uh, 17 points. But he, uh, he was, let's see, 4 of 11 on twos, 1 of 5 on threes. And just could not make anything other than just at, right at the rim. Um, but six assists and good defensive um, impact, had three steals. On ball, it was a mess, and I think I've continued to say this before, but his on ball defense is not very good. And I think that's a mystery unless you watch him intently. I think his reputation precedes him, and people think that he's better than he is. But his off ball creation defensively is really good, and that's where he, that's where he actually earns that reputation. So – it's kind of an interesting bit of nuance, but offensively, he'll have much better games. The Hawks stealing this game and winning this one with DeJounte shooting as poorly as he did is actually a good sign, I think. And also, he played by far the most minutes of anyone in the Quinn Snyder era. He played 39 minutes in this game. And I think the Hawks just felt like they couldn't take him off the floor late, which I understand. But uh, that's something to keep an eye on because uh, Quinn's been pretty diligent about keeping guys at like 34 or under. It was 39 tonight for DeJounte. Uh, no travel between now and Friday. Not the worst spot to go ahead and do that, but I thought it was at least interesting. And then I, talk, I talked about Trey earlier, so I won't believe it at the point. But again, 20 points, 10 assists, three steals, um, eight of 10 on twos, three of four on threes. Just really efficient, really good, and a superstar performance from Trey in every way. So from here, I'm recording this podcast Wednesday evening. In fact, the Raptors play right now as I'm talking. The Bulls actually are playing as I'm talking. So I don't have the results of those games. The Heat did lose tonight. So for your standings check-in, I'll just say the Hawks are now back within a game and a half of Miami. That's good after losing them to them twice for seventh. And they're still ahead of Toronto no matter what Toronto does. If Toronto wins, it's only a half game. If they lose, it's a game and a half. And then we'll see. Um as far as the Hawks are concerned, 500 on the season, of course, at this point in time, that's not great by anyone's anyone's description. Even if they were to win out, which they're probably not going to do, for 16, 16 games, they would be 49-33, which is kind of like where I thought they'd be for the season. So clearly they're not going to be uh, getting to that number. But there is still room ahead for the Hawks to do some things in the future. Um, and the first step of that is playing the Wizards again on Friday. Now that's more of a level playing field because the Wizards won't be traveling from Detroit in between games. So I would imagine our friends at FanDuel might have the Hawks as like a very small favorite, maybe even like a toss-up game. Because I think basically the long story short version is the Hawks are better than the Wizards, but the game's in Washington. So we'll see. But I think on paper, the second game might be a little bit more difficult than the first one for the Hawks in, just in terms of the situation. But I think that the Hawks probably found some stuff in this game. 
I trust Quinn, uh, especially with now two games of film on Washington and one of them with Porzingis back in there after he missed the first game to kind of make some tweaks. And we'll see how the Hawks come out and respond on Friday night. All right, that's going to be it for me on today's podcast. Please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts. And it's very important that you do that if you're a fan of the show. I do appreciate all the support always. Ratings and reviews definitely help as well. Auto-download, do it across multiple platforms. Likes and downloads and clicks and all that stuff is very, very valuable. Uh, follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Also follow my Patreon for some written work, patreon.com slash BT Roland. I do appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. TBD on the next show. I'm not sure if I'll have one on Thursday, but I will definitely have one on Friday. And by the way, after Friday's game, the Hawks come back home to play the Celtics on Saturday. So I'll have two shows in a row on Friday night and Saturday night at the very least. So please stay tuned for all that. Subscribe to the podcast and we'll see you all next time.